0: Yo, 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 thought warriors! What is up? Higher learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan, and it's me, Rachel Lindsay. I want to give a shout out to me. Thanks. No, I give a shout out <laughs> to you anyway. You always get <laughs> shout outs. I want to give a shout out to one of the most popping places on the internet right now, which is r slash Thought Warriors on Reddit. It's going up. They didn't hit a thousand subs. They haven't the a live chat. Is that because
1: of your your shout out? Did the, did it increase after you shouted them out on the podcast? I,
0: I am not taking any responsibility for the success of one of the hottest places on the internet, <laughs> which is R slash Thought Warriors on Reddit. I'm not taking any responsibility for say for their success. What I'm saying is okay. whoever's responsible for it is going up over there. That's what's happening. It's going up. I on? love
1: it. I love that there's this community out there. We got to get merch. We got to get so we can see people. We can see the thought warriors out there representing.
0: So you can't see them now? You can only see them when they they bought stuff from you?
1: Van, how cool is it going to be to walk and see somebody wearing, I almost said what something could be, and I don't want anybody to steal it, but you know, something higher learning.
0: Here's the thing, though. If they see you, they are gonna come up to you. So you just want to sell them some stuff. Have
1: you, you had somebody your... stop? Because I don't know if we even get the profits for that. Have you
0: seen? <laughs> oh wow, we don't know what the percentages are.
1: I don't know. Whoa, I don't know. whoa! I don't know how that
0: works, Bill. We don't know what the percentages are. We might have to. We might have to make a, a Vimeo podcast about Bill. We don't know what the percentages <laughs> are, man. Bill, I want to see the accounting. Stop, Bill. This is
1: sounding too familiar. I don't, I don't bill, like it. Bill,
0: I wanna see the accounting bill. Man, shout out to my have niggas, you bro. have
1: you met a Thought Warrior in shout the out Wild? To my guys. Have you th- uh uh
0: yes, I have. I've it's happened many times.
1: Yeah, and it's yeah. nice. And it's nice when they come up, talk about the pod with you.
0: It is. It's very nice. Like the Thought Warriors are a delightful group of people. They're they're very diverse. You know, you never know what a thought warrior is going to look like. <laughs> they come in all different types of shapes and sizes. Rachel, did you have a good weekend?
1: i worked all weekend. So, I mean, I guess, I guess press junket to Tribeca Film Festival. That was cool. Talk to Robert De Niro.
0: Robert De Niro. And um, Bobby. Call him Bobby.
1: I did not. I called him Robert. And Lisey Story. Are you a big Stephen King fan? I am. Got a new show coming out, Apple TV, Lisey's Story. Very, a lot of levels to it. Very layered. Right. Good. Julianne Moore, Clive Owen. And then I did the MTV Movie and TV Awards. Fantastic. On the, on the red carpet. People are back. It's fun. Good to see
0: people. Here's the thing. I love Stephen King. I've read most of the Dark Tower series. I've read all of the Dark Tower series. Okay. Uh, I read all of the the classics. You know, I read The Stand tommy knockers Mm -hmm. all of that stuff you know even going back i even wrote stephen king is such a fantastic writer i wrote a collection of short stories he's got one called the night flyer which is fucking terrifying okay (laughs) um but here's the thing it's over This episode is brought to you by Shea Moisture. We finally got some deodorants designed specifically for people with rich melanin skin from Shea Moisture. And they're amazing. Made with Shea Butter and Black Dermatologist approved. These deodorants give you and your skin the care that it needs. Now, here's the thing, Rachel.
1: Okay.
0: The deodorants came to the house.
1: Yes, me too.
0: You got yours. I got them. Kalika picked one up Mm -hmm. specifically. And I was like, oh, why are you picking that one up? And she said, because it says it's even underarm tone. Mm-hmm. And she goes like, sometimes when you use the other deodorants, they leave like your underarms untoned or something like that. And she was so excited to have, it. she went back and she started using it right there, which made me wonder if she had put deodorant off the day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she just reapplied. Maybe she,
0: but, but like, so that's a, it's a huge deal. And I've been using it too. It's very great. It's good. It smells good. The whole yeah. Thing.
1: No, no, no. It is good. And it's lasts long. Like mm-hmm. I'm a sweater. So I need something strong.
2: Mm. And
1: I need, in addition to, I like that it evens out the underarm. I like the moisture and all of that, but it's the, I need it to last long. And this lasts for, it's a 48 hour sweat and odor protection, which is key. Wow.
0: Uh, get the protection your skin deserves. Tap the banner to learn more or visit SheaMoisture.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life, with premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe.
0: The Stephen King portion of my life
1: Oh, I thought you were saying, like, Stephen no. King is done. Okay. No,
0: no, no, no. Stephen King, that brain is, uh, it, that brain will always happen. That brain will okay. always be gone, right? But for me, yeah. mm-hmm. the Stephen King portion of my life is over. All right. That's it. And right. I'll tell you why, because I've got to be honest with you. I, I don't have no, I got time. Uh, scary? No, no scary. I you watched scary by real
1: life? Real Just, life scary enough. Got you.
0: No more scary. How about okay. this? It's All the right. end of scary, Rachel. Scary was fun. Remember when scary was fun? Remember when you were like, I want to watch Freddy Krueger, knowing that Freddy Krueger was going to scare the hell out of you. Were you scared of Freddy? Did you, were you afraid of him?
1: Well, you know, my movie history van, I wasn't allowed to watch Freddy Krueger back in the day when it was, when it was, so I'm, he was scary to me just because I knew what he looked like, but I didn't understand that he appeared in your dreams and all of that. And I didn't, I don't, I don't know the background. You know what I mean? I didn't, Sorry, I didn't get you to could, watch it back then.
0: You couldn't None watch of Freddy, it, huh?
1: Not Child's Play, not Freddy, not Nightmare what, on Elm Street, not Jason.
0: What was the, the judge's Halloween? idea of a scary movie?
1: Goosebumps. You
0: what I'm Goosebumps <laughs> kind of scary though. I'm Goosebumps. not gonna lie. That's what I used to read. Goosebumps, Goosebumps. kind of scary though. <laughs> I remember one time, I think one of my earliest panic attacks. I was obsessed with Freddy. <laughs>
1: Because Freddie was funny. Is that why? Because I feel like a lot of people loved Freddie.
0: So I liked to watch Freddie, but the reason why I was obsessed with Freddie is because, like, I as a kid got obsessed with things that there was no way out of, right? You were done. So this is what I mean by that. Okay. So any, like, slasher movie, I I didn't really have a problem with the slasher, guys, because, like, I got a chance, you know, if you if you like the scream dude, was like he was like a slasher.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He, you he could...
0: better he better get me in a good spot, cause if not, I got a shot. Okay. I got a chance with him. <laughs> okay. He comes at me with a knife. You you never know. I might roll, kick him in the leg, and he might go down. You I might stand over him. this like, out in your mind. Yeah, I it's stuff tell. I can do. You know what <laughs> I mean? It's stuff I can do. Freddie, there's nothing. Okay. There's nothing you can do.
1: Stay awake. You can't. <laughs> Stay awake. That's you, you,
0: <laughs> And so here's the thing about Freddie. You watch the Freddie movies and mm-hmm. the scariest thing, there's a little thing they do in Freddie movies where the person just nods and you think they just nodded off real quick and they caught themselves, but no, they're right. asleep. Right. And everything else that's happening now is the dream. Their mom walks in and, hey, baby, do you want a piece of cake? Uh, nah, mom, I don't want a piece of cake. And all of a sudden, mom goes, eat the piece of cake, bitch. <laughs> and it's Freddy. <laughs> and and that kind of thing for a young man <laughs> used to mess with me because my mother would come in after I had nodded off. And if my mom had a weird look in her face, I'd be like, yo, is my mom Freddie right now? Is she Freddy? Uh, but I remember one time, I thought I was actually in the Freddie. I thought I was. I thought Freddie was happening for real. I know I, I keep telling you guys stories like this, but I have fallen asleep on the couch. Okay. Okay, Van. I have fallen asleep on the couch, <laughs> and if we get my mom back on here, she'll remember this. I have fallen asleep on the couch, and when I woke up, I looked at the television, and there was a commercial for Freddy's one nine hundred number.
1: Another another commercial. And
0: look, and look, when I woke up. Also, I remember, if you remember Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Freddy appears as an apparition in the TV, and then he grabs a kid, and he pulls him into the TV, and he kills him. I remember I woke up, and I saw Freddy on the TV, and he was like, ha, 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 dial 1-900-Freddy-Groomer, ha. (laughs) And I leapt up and ran to the back and was pounding on my parents' door. How old? Me, oh, man, seven or eight, something <laughs> like that. Seven, seven or eight, pounded on my parents' door. And my dad came out there. My dad came out there <laughs> like he didn't have no pants on. He, it, it almost hit me in the face. He, like, he, he came out there, boy, what's going on, boy? What's going on? What's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm like, Freddy Krueger, Freddy Krueger, Freddy Krueger. <laughs> and he said, Nigga if you don't get your motherfucking ass out of my face talking about some Freddy Krueger get your ass in your room and go to sleep get your ass I'm like yo I'm scared you're not gonna hey what's wrong Terry this nigga talk about some Freddy Krueger this boy gotta learn what's real and what's not <laughs>
1: what was scarier your dad in that moment or Freddy Krueger on TV that's why I love
0: my dad that's why I love my dad I love my dad because, after running into him, Freddie didn't seem so scary anymore.
1: <laughs> exactly, that's like, what I was gonna
0: say. I woke this man up at <laughs> 1.32 o'clock in the morning. Oh, this
1: was in the middle of the night. <laughs> Hell yeah! Oh, I, I thought you woke... like
0: took a nap on TV. No. oh, no, I had woke. I was no, I had fallen asleep on the couch watching TV. Got you. But when I woke up, there was a Freddie One Nine Hundred commercial playing. And I saw it okay, and I ran to the back and my dad was it's dark.
1: I get it. You're alone. I got you. It and is, this babe. is why, this is why the judge didn't let us watch nah, these movies. The
0: I can't <laughs> hate on the judge because we watch them all. We watch, we watch Charles play and my dad would come in and my dad would, my dad would see me. I'd be watching Charles play. He'd be like, I see, I see what I'm talking about. I ain't going to stop you from watching it. I don't want to hear no shit about no motherfucking Chucky though.
1: <laughs> whatever you do
0: you're putting them thoughts in your head that ain't nothing but a demon on the TV you're putting all these <laughs> demonic thoughts in your head go ahead boy I ain't gonna tell you nothing but don't run up to- I'm like, that's what he was saying um, alright so look uh, we are going to end this podcast today with uh a talk with two activists that are going to attempt to give you some insight into the current conflict happening right right now um in the Middle East. Uh, Now, these two are people who have worked with different organizations in America to address the conflict, and I am prefacing this by telling you that they are both pro-Palestine. We are going to do our best. It's going to be towards the end of the podcast. We're going to Mm -hmm. give you some of the other stuff first. We're going to try to do our best to maintain a nuanced conversation with them uh, and discuss this issue so you guys can can understand it better. Um, And we'll leave it at that. Yeah, we'll leave it at that That's that. Uh, the Thought Warrior community have been asking us to touch this we want to make sure I have my own personal thoughts on it Rachel has her own personal thoughts on it but we want to talk to people who had maybe more informed thoughts mm-hmm. um, and we well, let's do it you guys can have it right there of course it's a big issue we're going to talk about it here on the podcast uh, before we get to any of that though we're going to take a break this episode is brought to you by Shea Moisture we finally got some deodorants designed specifically for people with rich melanin skin from Shea Moisture and they're amazing Made with shea butter, black dermatologist approved. These deodorants give you and your skin the care that it needs. Now, here's the thing, Rachel.
1: Okay.
0: The deodorants came to the house.
1: Yes, me too.
0: You got yours. I got them. Kalika picked one up Mm -hmm. specifically. And I was like, oh, why are you picking that one up? And she said, because it says it's even underarm tone. Mm -hmm. And she goes like, sometimes when you use the other deodorants, they leave like your underarms untoned or something like that. And she was so excited to have it. She went back and she started using it right there, which made me wonder if she had put deodorant on for the day.
1: <laughs> Maybe she just reapplied. Maybe she,
0: but, but like, so that's a, it's a huge deal and I've been using it too. It's very great. It's good. to it smell good. The whole yeah,
1: no, no, no. It is good. And it's lasts long. Like mm-hmm. I'm a sweater. Mm-hmm. So I need something strong. And I need, in addition to, I like that it evens out the underarm. I like the moisture and all of that, but it's the, I need it to last long. And this lasts for, it's a 48 hour sweat and odor protection, which is key.
0: Uh, get the protection your skin deserves. Tap the banner to learn more or visit SheaMoisture.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. With premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe.
0: Okay. Should we start the podcast off with news uh, with the world? On a lighter note? World? Uh, with oh. the news from the world of the... Uh, I have Oh, well, actually... I know how I want to start the podcast off. I know how I want to start the podcast off. What? I, I, what I have to do. So I am going to double down on something that I said on the podcast earlier.
1: Which you typically do.
0: Okay. Remember when I said that the settlement between Bill and Melinda Gates should be... Are
1: we doing this again?
0: Just listen. I said it should be Uh, one a hundred person hundred A $100 A $100 I stand by that, except I think now Bill Gates should be the one to get $10,000 and the rest of the money should go to Melinda Gates. I was completely wrong on the splits. Melinda Gates doesn't just deserve all of Bill's money. I think she deserves probably her neighbor's money and other people <laughs> in the surrounding areas. <clears throat> I didn't know what this woman was going through and I'm sorry. Nobody did. I'm sorry to Melinda Gates it's hard for me to say sorry to a billionaire but I am Bill Gates was out here (laughs) wilding we didn't even cover it in the podcast before we did that that she actually first sort of moved away or pulled back from him because he was hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein according to the Wall Street Journal okay according to reporting done in the Wall Street Journal but that's not all uh is it the Wall Street Journal?
1: Yes, uh, yeah. it was. Yes, it was the Wall Street Journal. For
0: According to reporting done in the Wall Street Journal. But that's not all. By the way, we should say that. First of all, let's not gloss over that. Did you read that story about the, Jeff, the Jeffrey Epstein connection?
1: Yeah, with Bill? Yes. Bill and Ep. But here's the thing. It had been reported before, reported on before, I think in 2011, 2013. Don't quote me on this. But years before that they had had a connection, it had come out. And Melinda would Melinda? Oh shoot, Melinda. is that her name? Oh, yes, that was, I thought it was Melissa for a second. Okay. But and Melinda was upset about it. She was upset at the affili- the affiliation between her husband and Epstein and the fact that now the public knew about it. But I didn't even know this connection was made. So when all the stuff was coming out about Jeffrey, they started talking about other prominent and powerful people that were connected to him, including old Bill here. So here's we, the thing. We've about- only been talking about Clinton.
0: So here's the, here's the thing about uh the Epstein deal. By the time that Epstein would have met Bill Gates,
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: we should say that Bill Gates categorically denies being a part of any of Jeffrey Epstein's whatever he was doing, any child trafficking, uh, any abuse of young women, he says that that wasn't a thing. The only problem with that is the timeline in which these guys were hanging out, Epstein's reputation... Would have already have been solidified Around circles you would have Heard stuff this is also I believe Because if we're talking about 2014 I think The last time that Epstein was actually Before his final Arrest he, he was arrested I think it was 2013 or something like that Or even before then that he Had actually been Criminally accused Of some of this stuff So by the time Bill Gates starts coming around Jeffrey Epstein Um Jeffrey Epstein has a reputation of being a guy that abuses and traffics young women. The question then becomes: If you're Bill Gates, why would you hang around him, knowing that that was a thing about him?
1: He had already pled guilty to solicitation, uh, soliciting prostitution That's of what I'm a talking minor. About. Like, yeah. pled guilty, not beyond accused had pled guilty. So it was out there. This was public knowledge. Yet Bill Gates continued to associate and affiliate with him. That even if you say it was about philanthropy, why would you want your name or money to come from somebody who's about this life? There's no way when you hear people talk about or watch a documentary on everything that Epstein was doing, there's no way that you were around him and did not know what was going on. He seemed to be very upfront with it. And there's even a quote from Bill Gates that says, Jeffrey lived an intriguing life. What does that mean?
0: Huh. What does that mean, Bill? Casual question. Mm hmm. Is Bill Gates a nasty ass nigga?
1: I think I'm going to have to say, it looks that way, Van.
0: Now, let me. It looks like to me. And I don't want to lob accusations out there, but it looks like to me that Bill Gates is your garden variety nasty motherfucker. That's because what it seems like.
1: It does seem okay? that way. And and my, and isn't your question how were how was this not more public knowledge? And before anybody says that we're jumping to to we're we're speculating here, the fact that Melinda had a h- issue with him hanging out with Jeffrey means that it was happening on more than
0: one occasion. Well, she read about it. Well, we should say from what I But she went to the house. She read, but from what? She what? went wait, to Epstein's
1: wait, wait, wait.
0: house. Oh, see, oh, you, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. The tea is bubbling She went up. to
1: his mansion and had dinner with him. Who, to did? Yes. And it was after wait, that. Wait, wait,
0: wait, 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 wait. Hold on.
1: Trudy, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm wow. I'm pretty sure I'm right on Melinda this. Melinda
0: had dinner at the Epstein house, too?
1: One time. Like, they went to meet. It was like a, an initial
0: dealing with it. Well, if Melinda had dinner at the Epstein house, too, then that kind of indicts her in the situation, too. But it was she?
1: after that that she said she didn't like him affiliating with him. She did, She didn't want him hanging out with him. It was an issue. It huh. was an issue, which in 2019 is when Things started, I guess, up until 2019, Bill Gates was still hanging with him, has flown on the plane. We've talked about the plane here. We only talked about a different Bill. Now we're talking about Bill Gates here.
0: So uh, Bill Gates apparently sought information, uh, advice from Jeffrey Epstein, um, about ending his marriage with Melinda because he said that it was toxic, so he'd been trying to get out of it for a while. But that's not even the latest story. That's like a, That's actually old news. The newest story is that Microsoft is confirming that it investigated an intimate relationship that Gates had with an employee. Microsoft launched an internal investigation into its co-founder and longtime board member, Bill Gates. into a relationship with a company employee. The alleged incident happened more than 20 years ago, Microsoft said in a statement. to CBS Money Watch on Monday, the company said it hired an outside law firm in the second half of 2019 to conduct the investigation and provide extensive support to the employee who raised the concern. In March 2020, Gates announced his departure, his departure from the company's governing board, saying he was stepping down to focus on his work uh, at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. It looks like like there could be uh, some sort of connection between all of this stuff coming to light, this investigation, and Bill Gates decided that he no longer, to, no, longer wanted to be a decision maker at Microsoft. What? It, what it, so, uh, by the way, <laughs> I, I don't know what to, I don't know what to say about this. This is what ha- as a lawyer. All of this stuff is coming out about Bill Gates. He's in the middle of a divorce. Are the numbers just going through the roof now for Melinda? There's obviously a very public back and forth war that's going on right now with uh, with us getting all of this stuff right. uh, So you think
1: you think this is coming out? You think Melinda's camp is putting this information out?
0: Rachel is that like a real question <laughs> Yeah I mean I don't know First of all I can't say that Melinda's I don't Melinda's- think that that Whoa, has I- anything Go ahead I can't say that Melinda's camp is putting it out Because some of the reporting that's being done on this Is being done by uh, someone who I kind of know The wife of Kevin Clark who works here at the Ringer So I'm not saying that she's That she is sort of uh With Mel- Bill and Melinda Gates Or excuse me with Melinda Gates I can't say that Because she's a fantastic reporter A fantastic reporter I guess what I would say is actually do take that bet. I guess what I would say right now is that all of this reporting is happening because there's such interest in the breakup of their relationship. And it's going to end up benefiting Melinda Gates, at least in the court of public opinion. I shouldn't say. Yeah. In the
1: court of public opinion, it benefits her. I don't know. That's not, that's not necessarily going to have any type of um, affected decisions that are made when it comes to divorce court or in ha- handling that, I don't, I, listen. Oh, okay, thank you, Trudy. Thank you, Trudy. I was right about Melinda going to the gates, to the house, not to the gates house, to it F.
0: looks State's bad house. on her then. Um, looks bad on her too.
3: Looks bad. She went in 2013. So what? With Bill, and it's reported that she was appalled but it's unclear if she found out about what he was doing, or if it was his personality. But it's the report says that she was a
1: and, and the reason I don't want to mm. say it looks bad is because there also seems to be information coming out that Melinda didn't have as big of a voice as it was, as public as it looked like she did publicly as they run this foundation together. It seems like um, there was some report, and I don't. And this is allegedly that the way that he spoke to Melinda was talking down to her. So we don't know what kind of pressure or force was put on her to attend this type of meeting. So I don't want to necessarily blame that. We're speculating a lot here. We're hearing bits and pieces as all this information is
0: coming out. But um, Hold on for a second, though. You can blame Bill Gates for hanging around Epstein before, like we said. Hold on. Let's just be... We said before, why would Bill Gates want to go be around Epstein knowing who Epstein was? Melinda
1: Gates went too. He continued, he continued to hang around. What I have saying no is idea. I
0: think I think right now, right now, let's say R. Kelly gets let okay. out. Okay, let's say y'all. R. Kelly gets let's say R. Kelly gets let out.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Kelly gets let out. I'm not going to kick with R. Kelly. I'm not going to kick with R. Kelly.
1: Okay. I don't know what kind of situation Melinda was in to go to that dinner. But all I know is immediately from what's the reports coming out, she was disgusted by it. And there's no record of her ever affiliating or associating with Epstein again. So. I'm not going to put her and Bill on the same level when it comes to that. I think what's so shocking about this, too, is one to hear the reports of the harassment that was um, allegedly going on at Microsoft, Microsoft at the hands of Bill Gates with him talking to going on trips with people and asking them out to dinner, um, apparently emailing saying, hey, do you want to go out with me if this is uncomfortable? Pretend this never happened. We never really heard about Bill Gates and his personal life. You never see him being affectionate. He almost comes across as asexual.
0: It looks like Bill Gates has never fucked a living thing before his life.
1: Do you remember the question that you asked one time about who can you just absolutely not see having sex Right. Bill Gates might have been on that list. So to hear that he, that he has these accusations against them or he's been doing certain things or dealing with an Epstein, it's shocking. That's not the person that you might have guessed would be a part of that that lifestyle, be about that life.
0: I always wonder about, you know, people talk about rich people and secret societies where they go and they yeah, drink, drink the blood of a goat and then they chant and they pledge their life to dark forces and they have all kinds of weird sex and they do all of this stuff. And it's and you think that those things don't really exist, but I'm not gonna lie, they probably exist. Those people get of, bored. When you got I, all the money in the
1: world and this power, they get. They're just trying. I guess do, looking for something you, else to do. do looking for something. You
0: get how much money Bill Gates has? That's if what I'm Bill saying. Gates, he's bored. If Bill, if Bill Gates is hitting, I'll be honest with you. If Bill Gates is hitting on the Microsoft employees, then he is just straight. That's perverted. I'll tell you he's why that's so perverted. gross.
1: He I'll is. tell you why that's
0: perverted because look, it's not perverted to to hit on somebody that you work with. That's something that happens, right? But if you're Bill Gates. You're so far past. Like Bill Gates could have been, it's like weird. It's like a fetish that he wants to, to have sex with people that work at Microsoft. It must be some kind of weird thing because he has so much money. I always see these European billionaires. There are dating Victoria's Secret models. You know, you see a guy and he looks like a living slice of pastrami. And you're thinking, why is this Victoria's Secret Angel with this person? And then you see that, hey, he's some kind of fashion uh, magnate or some sort of media mogul from some other place, you know. And you think about this woman and she's with this guy. Maybe she loves him, but she can't really want to lick his sunspots and all of that. You think about it, right? Bill Gates is richer than all of those speedo on the Amalfi Coast, wearing guys put together. He has more money than all of those guys. If he wanted to live the life of some sort of Lothario that went around having sex with, the, he would have had his pick. But he chose to do it in like a seedy, weird, peculiar way. I got to be honest with you. I've answered my own question. Yes, Bill Gates is a nasty motherfucker. He's
1: nasty. Yeah, and and let's and you're not even adding the fact that he is the most powerful person at Microsoft. So add against add to it the fact that yeah, the weirdness all of that. He's exerting his power over these people. He's putting them in extremely uncomfortable situations as the boss coming after them and talking to them in such an inappropriate way. It's gross, it's disgusting. I am so glad that you marched back your words about the hundred million because clearly Melinda has been suffering all these 27 years.
0: I have more information
1: now. Who knows? If he was doing this stuff outwardly, who knows what was going on inside of that household? Who knows what she had to endure over these last 27 years? Sounds like she's been plotting her escape for a while, though, and good for her. I hope she gets everything that she wants out of this divorce, including freedom from Bill and having to not associate with him anymore.
0: Nah, there's only one way for her to get back at Bill. There's only one way. What's that? She got. She got to get with Jeremy Meeks.
1: I thought you were going to say she had to get with the competition, but the no, fact that you just she named gotta Jeremy with, Meeks, she, she I can to get
0: with Jeremy Meeks. Melinda Absolutely Gates. Not. Melinda Gates got to give that? Jeremy Meeks. A shot. Why
1: would? Why would he care about that?
0: Because. I'll be honest with you, if you're a Bill Gates type, really, if you're any guy, the one guy you don't want to see your ex with is Jeremy Meeks. You know, it's true. I'm
1: giving Jeremy way too much credit.
0: I'm not giving Jeremy too much credit at all. Jeremy Meeks is fucking beautiful. And he's got all of those tattoos and all of that stuff. And you see this guy coming in because you you look at him and you think to yourself, well, now what? Like this is what happened. She leaves me and she goes get some guy like this. She could have never been into me if that guy was out there for her. So but to me, if Melinda Gates really wants to get back at Bill, she should just start tricking off on Jeremy Meeks.
1: I can't even entertain that. Why I'm not? I can't even entertain this. Are you, conversation saying, well, are you, about say, are you saying that Meeks? that's
0: imp- that's, impo- that's impossible for Jeremy Meeks? Jeremy Meeks has been with billionaire ladies before. Jeremy Meeks is well schooled in this.
1: He's been with one billionaire,
0: right, so and that's
1: I'm, I'm not saying uh, yes, okay, maybe he's he's not, listen, okay, Melinda, don't go after Jeremy, let me just put it there just so don't do go it. you can do
0: better all right, uh, I guess more problems for joe Budden. uh d j Olivia dope, who was one third of the see the thing is see the see the thing is podcast with Bridget Kelly and mandy uh she left the podcast abruptly. Maybe like three or four months ago, something like that. The podcast came out. Um, they had a good chemistry. Shout out to Mandy. Shout out to Bridget. Um, I don't know Olivia. I know. I know Mandy. I know Bridget through like social media and stuff. But like, I know never Bridget met her before. I've never met Bridget before. Uh, good podcaster. Seems like a nice lady. Mandy is a, is a nice lady. Uh, Olivia left after Joe came to one of their podcasts. Um. And you watch the podcast and, you know, Joe has Joe's talking very aggressively. He was calling him B word and all of that stuff. And a lot of people thought that maybe that sent her over the edge. Apparently it was more. She went on her Instagram and talked about the fact that during that podcast, Joe had said that he. uh Actually, you know what? Let's play a portion of what Olivia said so she can say it for herself. This is what she said. That uh, Joe said to her while they were filming.
3: There's an edit in the recording because Joe says him and I should speak more because quote he's been wanting to fuck me since we've met.
0: Okay, so there you have it. She's saying that she was uh, harassed by Joe Budden and she felt unsafe. Um, and she also is inadvertently also saying that maybe she didn't get enough support from the people around her in that situation, and that's what forced her to leave. The see that Th- this uh, see the thing is podcast. Um, this, of course, comes only a couple of days after Rory and Maul responded to Joe button. They put out an hour long response, accused him of not showing them the proper accounting of not having the business right and of basically betraying them as friends. So it seems like right now, uh, Joe is not having the best month. Rachel, you watched this. You watched Olivia What are your thoughts?
1: So I would encourage everyone to go listen to about 25 minutes. um, Go to Olivia dope. I think that's her Instagram name. Go to her page and listen to what she has to say. It's emotional. It's honest. It's heartfelt. And it's disturbing. Joe Budden is a monster. And I wholeheartedly believe that. And I, and whether you 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 believe the Rory and Maul situation, whether you believe Olivia, where there's smoke, there is fire. And it is absolutely despicable and disgusting to hear what Olivia went through from her boss in her place of business. And I think one of the most disturbing things, if you listen to this 25-minute video, is that she actually apologizes she's actually makes says i should have done this maybe if i had done more research on joe maybe if i had d- done more research on how he is in a work environment then like as if she's faulting herself olivia you did absolutely nothing wrong the fact that your boss came to your workplace Exerted his power over you, said that he belittled you, demeaned you and demeaned you by saying that he wanted to F you multiple times on your podcast, laughing about it. Nobody challenged him in the room. Not and 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 I and for anybody who says, why didn't she say something to hear her talk about how uncomfortable she was in that situation? And I think a lot of women understand this and have to go through this. You're there is such fear of seeing, seeing feeling like you're too sensitive, you're too emotional, you want to seem like you're one of the boys, like everything is okay that you just laugh away inappropriate and uncomfortable situations when they're wrong. And what we really should be doing is calling them out. And he was wrong in that situation and the fact that no one in production, not her castmate, um her her coworkers took up for her in that in that moment is gross. And it's wrong and we have to start calling out that type of behavior. And we have to stop uplifting these people who have these platforms and putting them on a pedestal when they are so harmful to women and just people and the culture in general. It's disgusting not only to hear that he was talking to her like that, but then later knowing why she left the podcast, knowing that she had got legal involved in the situation. He makes light of it on his later on a podcast and says that any woman that's working with him, he's going to want to have sex with. Did I get that right?
0: He yeah, he referenced the joke that Rick Ross had. He read now. He he joked about Something that Rick Ross has said when Rick Ross was on the Breakfast Club that got Ross in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, he it's did.
1: we got to start calling these people out. Like, I'm—I don't listen to the Joe Budden podcast. I can't say I'm a supporter. I'm a fan, but we have to call him out. The fact that this woman had to leave her job because of the way that he came at her, and he's making a joke of it—it's disgusting. It's okay. uh, it it's yeah, it's disgusting.
0: So let me ask you this. Um, for people that would say, because there were a bunch of people in in Olivia's comments who are big Joe fans that are saying he he was joking around and when he was joking and saying these things, the other ladies in the room were laughing at them. So maybe he didn't feel that she was being violated in the way that she felt that she was.
1: If my boss is telling me on multiple occasions he wants to, quote, fuck me, that's not even funny. It's not even fucking wow. funny. And that's the thing. It's it's one thing, and I'm not saying it's okay for somebody to make a joke, but you're f- flat out saying, I've always wanted to meet you, and I want to fuck you multiple times. And then he called her a bitch. And then yeah. he made light of it. There's there there's no humor in that. There's no way to slice that other than just it's on the wrong side of it. And huh. the fact that he thinks that's that he's comfortable enough doing that on air and they were filming it and was okay with that version going out. And if you listen to the to her story, the only reason it was cut out is because production said she looked so uncomfortable when he was talking to her.
0: She said they actually they actually called her back in when they when they watched it back. And they saw that she looked uncomfortable. So they called her back in when they watched when they watched it back and asked her if she wanted to take it out. And she said that she wanted to take it out. And for everyone saying that she didn't raise any concern then and who are accusing her of of uh of, of clout chasing rory and maul what do you think about that the fact that this is I, coming out two days after and you have no
1: it. idea what you would do in that situation and you if don't. you listen to her you hear her speak about how it took a long time for her to get to that place and you know why she didn't want to speak out because of exactly why people are writing those things people are writing those things in the comments are the same reason that she did not want to speak out She knew people were going to be critical of her, not give her the benefit of the doubt, which we see so often when it comes to women, especially women of color. For some reason, we want to be on Joe's side. Why? Because his name is on a podcast. Why? Because you followed him from this platform to this platform and because she doesn't have the same power or or or. Or platform or public. She's not as big of a public figure figure as he is. That is so wrong. If you listen to her, if you take those 25 minutes to understand why she is just now coming out, then there's no way that you can be critical of her. And I just want to challenge everyone. If you were in that situation, how easy do you think it would be for you to speak up? That's your job on the line. That's your reputation. She's taking a huge risk by coming out and saying that and potentially being blackballed in this industry because she is going to speak out. So many people are going to be like, oh, I don't want to say anything around Olivia because she might be put me on blast on her Instagram, which is a terrible place to be. She was violated. She was disrespected. And she should have the right to speak out on it without any repercussions. Those should only be going Joe Budden's direction.
0: Well, there you go. We'll leave it there. Uh, I mean, the the thing here is there's really nothing to believe. You know how sometimes things come out and there's one side and then there's the yeah. other side. There's really nothing to believe. There's really not going to be anybody unless someone could produce a tape that this didn't happen, which I don't think that's very likely to, to be the, the case. This obviously happened. So the question then becomes all about how she felt about it and you just cannot begrudge her her feelings mm-hmm. you can't so in, unless there was a someone was able to put out a podcast a whole full podcast where that was never said and that was never done that would be the only way to 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 kind of get at what she's saying but but if it happened and that's the way she felt then that's the way that she felt and that's the risk that you take whenever you do something like that Yep. You know, you got to be careful the way you talk to ladies and the way because everybody not on that level where they playing with you like that. Yeah, not And I would say in a situation where you're somebody's boss, probably err on the side of caution and don't fuck around like that. And exactly. Fucking around or not because you're going to make somebody feel the way Olivia felt. And if you watch it, it's clear that that's the way that she felt. Yeah. Um, before we get off of it, you say, you know, Bridget, you know, Mandy, I know Bridget. You know Bridget. I know Mandy. Uh Mandy's cool chick, dope girl. What do you think about we haven't heard see the thing is going to I think drop tomorrow or something? Mhm. If you were a woman in that same situation, if you're in that deal, how do you feel about the way from just what you got from Olivia and what was said like how they handled it?
1: Well, I mean, according to Olivia, they removed her from the The moment that she said she was stepping away and I think she expressed why they removed her from the group chat. That was their initial response. But then she says she later had separate conversations with both of them and it seemed like it was amicable, you know, so she didn't give too much detail on that. I mean, if I'm them, I'm I personally am very curious as to what their response is going to be i can imagine what it's going to be the fact that they're still on the joe budden network i don't i'm i'm sure they're going to say
0: it's between olivia nev- and joe
1: it's between olivia and joe they probably have never ex- he didn't it is a fact according to olivia's own um story about it that he didn't direct those derogatory statements towards the other women only towards her right so i'm sure that they'll speak to to that um, and I'm sure they'll say that they support Olivia and her decision to step away. And I think that they'll also say that if if Joe came at them that way, that they would do the same thing Olivia would do. But
4: the fact or, is. Or, or,
0: but Mandy's a little different. Mandy might say, hey, if Joe said that about me, I might just laugh it off. Because she, yeah, she might. Yeah. So, you know, who, who knows? But uh, a lot of shit, man a but lot like, of as shit.
1: A, I just wouldn't This is a
0: lot of mess out here. I can't
1: imagine if somebody if my boss said to me like basically taking away my talent and saying, you know, I just I've I've wanted to fuck you for a long time. I wouldn't want to work there. You're not even looking at me for what I bring to the table. You're just looking at me in the physical being. I right. I just I just personally wouldn't want that. I want somebody to respect my craft.
0: Right. Now Mm. Speaking of respecting crafts, J. Cole had his first professional basketball game. <laughs> That's why they called me the Segway Master. Rach, you good? I know you were very passionate about that. I remember when you hit me and when you hit me in the in the group text and you were like, "Joe Button is a monster." I was like,
1: Shit. <laughs> "He <laughs> I, was like, I mean, it's, damn. I wasn't even surprised when I heard it. It wasn't wow. even surprised. It's just more disturbing. I just uh, stop uplifting these type of people. Please,
0: sorry. Um. So look, uh, J Cole played the Rw- he played with the Rwanda Patriots of the Basketball Africa League. Do you know what J Cole's <laughs> stat line was in this game?
1: Um, no. Can, wait. Can I guess?
0: Okay. So I want you to guess. So it's 17 minutes. By the way, before 17 we even, minutes. Okay. Hold, hold on, hold on. Before we even get into what Cole's stat line is, I gotta say two things. Number one, the offseason is a fucking fantastic album. 95 South is one of the best songs I've heard in a long time. Number two, the fact that J. Cole is playing pro basketball is such a goddamn achievement to me. That's so dope to me. Did he try out? I'm not sure. Okay. Okay. I'm not sure, but the fact that he's doing something and living a lifelong dream is amazing to me. Okay.
1: Oh wait, so this wasn't a one game. He's like legit nah, on the team. Nah, he's on the team. And what team hey, is Cole he playing for? Hope.
0: And he's what team? Cl- he, he plays for the uh Rwanda Patriots. Okay, so, he, so he's so he's living
1: he's living there now.
0: I don't think he's living in Rwanda. No, I don't think he's living. living okay. Right. I think he's spending significant time there as he goes around Africa with the team. Is what okay, I.
1: Okay. Before I guess his stat line, what position does he play?
0: I'm. I'm imagining he's a guard. I haven't looked okay. at the breakdown of the game though. Okay. All right. So J Cole. His stat line. He played 17 minutes. Guess Cole's stat line rage. What would okay. you say? Points, rebounds, assists.
1: Okay, points. I'm going to say with eight. Okay. Um, rebounds two, assists okay. three.
0: Okay, he finished with three points, huh. three rebounds, and two assists.
1: Whoa, I was yeah. kind of close on this. This rebounds
0: and they're close on the assists and rebounds. This is what I'm gonna say right now.
1: Wait, was a three? Was it a three pointer or was it a? Is, was it? No, a, I, a I think he went to the free line throw.
0: because I okay. saw him get a follow. Looked pretty good on the final round, quite well. Yeah, hey, J. Cole's thirty-six years old, so he's not he a spring. Big... Yeah, he's not a spring chicken in terms of like uh, uh, sports is concerned. He's beginning his sports, his pro sports career at an advanced age. Okay, so um, I'm looking at this. His team won the game eighty-three sixty. I say for the season, I'm gonna I'm say Cole's gonna average, and it's gonna be a successful campaign. Nope, it's gonna be seven. 3 and 3. 7-3 three, and 3 for Cole. Okay. And he's going to have at least one game where he gets hot and he go for like 20 or 25. Okay. There's going to be a signature Cole game in this Rwanda professional basketball
1: game. Hey, seven three three okay. has a nice ring to it. That could be the name of the next album.
0: 7-3-3. Three, three. There you go. I like these stats. I think these are good stats for his first game. I think this is something to build on. He wasn't out there just like... Doing a Tony Snell uh, over, you know Tony Snell had an hey, over. Right, he made
1: day. the board, and seventeen minutes is some significant time. I'm cold, impressed. Cole out here, man. Yeah, hang on, Cole. Oh, yeah, fuck? as long as as long as wait 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 as long as he had more points than fouls. How many fouls did he have? I that, don't know. that 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 matters. If he had four fouls and three points, that's not a good look. I don't know. I don't know. That's not a good look.
0: Man. I want to celebrate him. I'm choosing to celebrate him.
1: Okay, I'm seven to three three.
0: Him. 733, 733. Uh, That's really all that happened in the world of music. Nicki Minaj dropped. She had a song with Wake and Drain. I love this. uh, Wake and Drain. (laughs) Wake. (laughs) Wake. Yes, I heard I I went, I I made (laughs) two new rappers.
1: (laughs) I combined
0: Lil Wayne and Drake and made one wake and one drain.
4: (laughs) That's dope.
0: They should take that concept. You have one amalgam where it's, a, a Wayne and Drake mashup where Wayne is the dominant character, and then you have another amalgam where it's a Drake and Wayne, and Drake is the dominant character. If you smash Drake and Wayne together, fuck the song. The song was dope. <laughs> Wayne's verse, best verse in a long time. If you smash wait, uh, Drake, uh, fucking, why oh. you doing it? If you, <laughs> if you smash Drake and Wayne together,
3: mm-hmm.
0: what would you get? Like, I'm gonna get, ask you this. This is Vance's very, very serious question of the week. Before we get to our very serious interview about Israel and Palestine, if you smash Drake and Wayne together, give me the attributes that this rapper would have. Give me Drain.
1: So, this is this is one rapper.
0: Right. One rapper. Smash Did I say Wapper? Did
1: I say Wapper? Please take you that. Might've. One rapper
0: (laughs) wake you're messing me up and you got me saying whapper you're doing i don't know why what's going on i have no clue
1: drake and wayne
0: mash them together what what's the attributes you take from both of them to make the perfect rapper
1: oof that's so tough i mean they're they obviously stand alone Mm -hmm. great i I, i'm tempted to say drake singing but i'm not a huge fan of that um you know what? It wouldn't be the style. It more so would be the content of what they rap about since right. they grew up and they had totally different lifestyles. I guess that's that's the best I can get. Sorry. So this is what that. I would
0: do if I was combining if I was combining Drake and Wayne. Mm-hmm. I would take Wayne's gangster and I would combine it with Drake's emotion. And then you're going to get like a Pac type of situation, right? You're going to get like a Pac deal. I take Wayne's, I take Drake's melody and I combine it with Wayne's, uh, like, uh, unforgivingness, his, uh, unflinching, un-whatever, okay. his brashness, right? Okay. I'll do this. Take D- Drake's melody, combine it with Wayne's brashness. Think about Wayne not having to use auto-tune and then kind of singing and harmoni- harmonizing about all the stuff that he raps about, Right. You know, you take the harmony out of it. That would be dope to me. Okay, then, then two mm-hmm, mm-hmm. other things. I, the style I'm gonna go with Wayne, just like the overall dress. Okay. Right.
1: Okay. I'm gonna go. Okay. I'm
0: gonna go with overall Wayne. Right. So I'm gonna take the Wayne style. So we're okay. going tight, tiny clothes, tight pants, truck fit, skater vibe. I'm gonna okay. take that, but I'm gonna combine that. Okay. I'm gonna combine that. With Drake's sensibility, so you know how Drake is aloof and he's mysterious. He doesn't talk very much. He doesn't do any interviews. He's the reluctant star living in his Toronto mansion, sipping on wine with ice in it, talking to Elliot. Is and
1: Drake aloof?
0: He's aloof. He's aloof. Is he myster-
1: I feel like we know a lot about mysterious Drake.
0: Mysterious rapper. Really, really. You know a lot about Drake?
1: Well, no, I just feel like... You know a lot about we're... Drake? No, well, I don't personally, but I'm just saying, I feel like I would never describe Drake as mysterious.
0: I think he's very mysterious. I think Drake is very mysterious. We hear
1: about the women that he's dating. You, I mean, like, you, or maybe it's just that you, you hear see about him. him.
0: You hear about the women that he's dating. You hear rumors. You don't see him with women. Hmm. See, so see what I'm saying? That's mysterious. Like you, you hear rumors. You hear, hey, there's this model with a 48 yeah, inch don't. ass. Drake had sex with her. You never see them together. Like, you don't. For right you're now, right.
3: you're right. You're right.
0: There was never before we knew about Rosie Devine, Sophie. I don't mean to call it. That's how I knew her. Rosie Devine, Drake's baby's mom. Before we knew about her, we had never seen her and a Drake, her and a, a Drake in a picture together. You're correct. You're right. Never. Never. All right. I'll give it to you. I guess
1: we just talk a lot about Drake. You think that you that you know things, but you don't. They're rumors. All right. Okay. All right. He's mysterious. Stop. Stop.
0: Stop. He's mysterious. Drake like turns into like a light skinned miss. He's like, he can (laughs) he can dematerialize. He can. He can stop. Just shows up as soon as and that's that's the scary thing, because your girl is in her room and she's listening to Drake. And, like, before you know it, that nigga just pops up in her room. So
1: he's Freddy Krueger.
0: He's the Freddy Krueger of rap. Because as soon as your girl goes to sleep, Rachel, you're a genius. I know. As soon as your girl goes to sleep, <laughs> she dreams about him. Drake comes, pops up. Drake Drake <laughs> pops up. Your girl sleep. Your girl sleep. Y'all think y'all This would cool. be a
1: really good song, by the yeah. way.
0: Yeah. Y'all watching Hold On, We Coming Home. Your girl falls asleep on you. And then she wakes up, but when she wakes up and looks at you, it's not you. It's Drake. You know what I'm saying? I, I like him. I like it. Shout out to Drake and Wayne. Shout out to Nikki. Hip-hop. People say hip-hop is back. Hip-hop never went anywhere. Everybody <laughs> this year that's winning is rapping. It's rapping. Everybody who's winning is rapping. I love it. I love it. All right. Now, listen, guys. We've had a lot of fun. Um, we are going to leave you with uh, an interview touching on what's going on in the Middle East right now. It is an interview talking about a subject that is very difficult to discuss, but these are the subjects that we must discuss in order to contextualize our world and analyze the politics that draw some of the lines that we think cannot be undrawn. Um, I assure you, I assure you, assure you that the conflict in the middle East has a resolution. There is a way to find peace there is a way to find balance, there is a way to find safety. The question is, as a world, if we are brave enough to ask the questions and take the steps that are needed to find all of those things. So we're mm-hmm. going to leave you with this. Uh and then we're going to see you guys next week. Next week. See you on Friday. And then Does we're
1: going to
0: s- <laughs> And then we're going to see you guys Friday.
1: Yep. All right, right, peace. Bye.
2: This episode is brought to you by Viore. If you're sick and tired of your old traditional workout gear, then I have two words that will change everything. Viore clothing. This line of active wear is truly unbelievable. And here's why. Look, you've seen me. You've seen the shorts I do on YouTube. I walk around. I do stuff. I listen to podcasts when I walk. I make calls when I walk. I like to wear comfortable workout equipment, you know? Like nothing nuts just like a really nice pullover, comfortable pants to walk around. Viore is designed to work out in whatever you're doing, but it doesn't look or feel like you're working out at all. It's so freaking soft and comfortable. You'll never want to take it off. And here's the best part. You don't have to take it off. Wear Viore clothing to train, travel, or lounge around the house. I do a lot of lounge around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Our listeners, Get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash ringer, dot com slash ringer. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer.
0: Okay, so we had been telling you guys, uh, our listenership, our thought wars, that we were going to have a conversation that at least attempted to touch on The crisis and the bloodshed that is happening right now in the Middle East uh, between Israel and Palestine. Um, There are ways that these things are thought about in the American conscious, that these are thousands of year old religious uh, battles that have, you know, are, are somewhat intractable and there's nothing that can be done about them. And then there are the real world. Ideas and political structures And really only decades old history That lead to some of the things that we're seeing right now Um, It's also something that we understand There is an intense amount of polarization on It's very difficult to be somewhere in the middle on this issue Uh, So what we thought it would be best to do Would be to bring in a couple of people Who can at least answer some of the questions that you guys might be having about what's going on, uh, about how the U.S. fits in this, and what these—they're almost like uh, outbreaks of violence every couple of years between the two sides here. What they mean for the people that 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 are living in the region. So we have uh, joining us today Rebecca Abu Chadid who is an American, an Arab American lawyer and activist. She is w- w- also the organizer of Lebanon. Relief Campaign for the Center Of Arab American Philanthropy We also have Simone Zimmerman uh, Who is a Leading, she's the co-founder of, excuse me Should I say, if not now, a movement of American Jews to end Israel's Occupation. Let's start right there Because when you When a lot of people hear the term End Israel's Occupation They say that that In and of itself is Aside. Obviously when you hear the term Occupation uh, it makes it seem as if the government of Israel is illegally occupying or or imposing their will upon the Palestinian people. I'll ask you, Simone, since that is an organization that you uh, founded, is that is that what's happening in the Middle East? Is Israel uh, occupying um, and oppressing Palestinian people?
4: Yes, it is. <laughs> um, I can also... Can I can I elaborate on that please absolutely okay great so um the other part of my title is that I am also the director of B'Tselem USA and I work uh, with Israel's leading human rights organization B'Tselem which for over 30 years has been documenting human rights abuses uh, in the occupied territories in the West Bank Gaza and East Jerusalem and um has basically been working for for the last 30 years to to expose Israeli society and the world to the horrors of Israel's ongoing uh, undemocratic rule over millions of Palestinians. And uh, B'Tselem is also one of a number of human rights organizations who in the last couple of months have uh, come out and uh, taken the position that the regime that is governing all of the people between the river and the sea uh, is an apartheid regime. Uh, which which means that the Israeli government is actually the government that controls all of the land between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea. And there are roughly uh, equal amounts of Palestinians and Jews who live there. Uh, and everywhere between that land, Jewish people have full and equal rights as citizens under that government, and Palestinians don't. And depending on where they live under Uh, throughout that land, they receive different amounts of rights, but they're never the same or equal to what Jewish people receive.
0: Describe what rights Palestinians that are living in the region that you're talking about don't have.
4: Well, I guess the first one I can say is that um, Palestinians who live in the occupied territories uh, don't have the right to vote for the government that determines their fate, the Israeli government. So, uh, you know, over the last one of the many pieces of context that is important to understand this moment is that in the last two years, uh, Israel has had four rounds of elections for their government. And uh, we're not going to get into all the political minutia of what's gone on in those elections, but what I can say is five million people have never gotten to participate in those elections, even though the decisions that that government makes deeply impact every aspect of their life. And now, I'll just elaborate on a couple other things. Um, freedom of movement, uh, the right to protest, um, the right to healthcare. I mean, basic human and civil and political rights that we all take for granted as, as citizens of a democratic society. Um, Palestinians living in the occupied territories don't occupy territories, excuse me, don't have those.
1: Let me ask you this because I, f- it's interesting with everything that we're seeing, a lot of people get their information on social media these days. Obviously, that's not the best place to get your source of information. But what we're seeing is a lot of people are hesitant to post about what is happening right now in the Middle East. And so what I would like, and and, and frankly, it's because they don't have an understanding of what's going on? Why is war returning now in Gaza? What? Why does it always seem to be this back and forth uh, of this war? We're seeing it every few years. How did it start? Maybe that is. It's too deep. It's that's too much to go that far back. But just to give our listeners an understanding of what is happening and why it's happening, just so people can understand what's going
3: on. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. So. Rachel, there's a lot of things that you touched on that are, I think, really important points. And the first is that I think people, Americans have been led to believe that the two sides are Jews and and Arabs or Jews and Palestinians. And so if Mm -hmm. they take a side, they're going to alienate maybe friends of theirs who are Jewish or friends of theirs who are Palestinian. And one of the really important things that that Simone and I felt about appearing together was to change that narrative. To show that there are, I'm you know Arab American and someone who's Jewish American, and here we are, and we work all the time together, and so the two sides are not Arabs and Jews. They are people who want to end the conflict and people who, for many different reasons, um, want to keep the status quo going. And there are Arabs and Jews on both on on those two sides. And so when we're asking people to speak up, um, you know, social media can be problematic often. But there is one thing about it that has been pretty amazing. And that is, and I think one of the reasons you're seeing a change now is that you are finally hearing Palestinian voices in a way that you couldn't before because mainstream media didn't share those voices. And so just to give you one example, um, there is one now Palestinian member of Congress. Her name is Rashida Tlaib. And last week she spoke, and I get emotional just thinking about it, but she spoke on the House floor and she quoted a tweet from a mother in Gaza who said, tonight, all of us as a family slept in the same room so that if we die, no one has to mourn the other. And Rashida read that on the floor of the House of Representatives. And that mother, the next morning, woke up to find out that Rashida Talib read her tweet. And she responded to Rashida and said, I've always known that our voice was more powerful than their weapon." And so this really is an opportunity to lift up those voices um, that otherwise have been ignored for so many years. And Van, you mentioned you know, this, this feeling that there's a cycle of violence and every few years it flares up. But really, the, the reality for Palestinians is that the daily life of occupation is a daily violence. And so here in the United States, I think people will see on their television screens what happened to George Floyd and what happened to Timur Rice. And some people will say, why does this happen every so often, every couple of weeks? But it's not happening every, It's there is a daily reality of violence for Palestinians. And that is why I also think you see growing black Palestinian solidarity. Um, that same day that Rashida spoke, Cori Bush spoke and she spoke really, just passionately about when when the protesters were starting their protests in Ferguson, Palestinians were reaching out to them to tell them how to avoid tear gas and how to deal with the force that they were going to receive from the police because that is part of everyday life um, in Palestine.
0: Mm. Um, As far as this particular conflict, uh, this particular round of, uh, and you, spoke eloquently to what the daily life of a palestinian is for people who want to know what happened to jump things off this time this particular time what is this particular uh sort of pocket of violence about
3: So i think you've probably seen the hashtag save sheikh Jarrah often yes. and that is a neighborhood in jerusalem and and so one of the things in our conversation if if simone and i start to use jargon that is not going to be familiar we really want you and the audience, to we want that to be a dialogue, so stop us and correct us. But Sheikh Jarrah is a, is a Jerusalem neighborhood. It's a historically Palestinian neighborhood. And for the last few decades, there have been right-wing Jewish groups that have tried to displace and remove the Palestinian presence. And so there are families who are, because of a law that allows um, Jewish citizens of Israel to take over land in a way that Palestinians cannot claim that land, it is using that law to evict them from their homes. Um, These are people who have been there for decades and they were displaced in 1948 when um, Israel was founded and they moved to Jerusalem and now they're being displaced again. And that is what started the, the East Jerusalem part of this and Jerusalem is such an important place for for all of the peoples of the region um christian muslim jew that anything that happens in jerusalem really can spark can can escalate very quickly and so after those protests started you know it was the holy month of ramadan for for muslims and on the holiest night of ramadan muslims were praying in the al aqsa mosque and they were met with tear tear gas and stun grenades mm-hmm by Israeli police, which was a provocation that I think even those of us who have followed this on a daily basis for years, it re- really was a shocking thing to see. People praying in a very sacred space um, met with violence.
1: Mm. What, what is your reaction to or your response to the way that President Biden has responded to what's happening right now?
4: On, oh, well, I think we're both <laughs> smiling at each other because we're both just like, I mean, there's just no words to describe the outrage and the disappointment in in the administration right now. I mean, the fact that the State Department can't even condemn the killing of Palestinian children um, is horrifying to me. And I think I, I, I just wanted to add, as as a Jewish American, um, you know. The first thing I just wanted to say is about the neighborhood of Shekhtarach, which is that this is in the center of of Jerusalem, and it's a neighborhood that uh, Jewish Israelis uh, drive by all of the time. It's very easy to pass by it and just not look around the corner at what's happening to these people. And I think, you know, as Americans, we can also understand this in our own context, that if you're a privileged person, you could move through the world very easily without knowing what's happening to your neighbors down the street or on the other side of the highway. Um, And so for for me, like again and again, it just feels so important to to challenge Jewish Americans, but also just Americans in general to understand what are these stories that have been kept from us for so long that have made us understand the, the reality on the ground in such a skewed light? Um, but the second thing I wanted to say is that also, is that um, American politicians, including the Biden administration, uh, very often uh, defend Israel's right to you know occupy and kill Palestinians in the name of some idea of Jewish safety. And it just feels really important for me to say, um, there's no universe in which, for me as a Jewish person, the massacre of Palestinian children makes me any more safe or any more free in this world. And I think one of the things that Rebecca and I talked about that we just really wanted to impress upon your audience is like just just that idea that that um, a, a better future for all people. Um, is 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 possible and is necessary for all of us to demand and there are thousands of and thousands of american jews who showed up at protest this weekend for palestinian liberation and it's it's just very important for me to convey that message that um i do not want the biden administration supporting the killing of palestinian children in my name
0: so a couple of things one one of the reasons that you might see some trepidation from uh American celebrities or people with platforms, uh, in speaking about this, especially if they happen to be um on the Palestinian side of things. And we should say that Palestinians, uh, we're talking about people who, as I understand it, would call their home the state of Palestine. There it's a diverse group. There are Christian pal uh Palestinians. Uh there it's it's you know, a small percentage, but we're not talking to this. Is not, once again, I want to move this out of this is a political thing about land and territory. This has much less to do with the fucking crusades and all of the other stuff that they keep telling you guys. It, 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 it that's not what this is about. And
3: my family includes Jewish Palestinians and Christian
0: Palestinians. So Jewish Palestinians, Christian yeah. Palestinians. Yeah. Uh, and if you're, you know, you can go back to a time with everybody has their hand in why we're here. The Brits have their hand in why we're here. The The world government at uh, the United Nations has their hand in why we're here. Everyone has done their best to pass the buck on this particular conflict. Absolutely. Um, and so what what, I, I, I guess the first thing I was going to ask you is a lot of the reason why American celebrities don't want to talk about this is because if you're critical of Israel, sometimes you'll get branded an anti-Semite. And uh, if you're, you're critical of anything that Israel does, people will say that you are anti-Jewish, you hate Jews, uh, and that's a hell of a thing to wear when you've seen what the Jewish people have been through. What do you guys think of that? Before I get to everything else that I want to unpack, because I want to make sure I'm being responsible in this conversation, uh, have you seen that? And what do you think of people that that say that and do that?
4: Um, look, I just we didn't do the sort of like personal stories to kick this off. So I'm going to back up one second and just say that um, my grandfather was born in Warsaw, Poland, and his mother was the only one of her 12 siblings who escaped uh, Europe before the Holocaust. And they moved to what then became the state of Israel. So I know very intimately in my own personal family story, how the founding of the state of Israel like is, is in part one of the reasons that I'm alive today. Um, so, and I don't dismiss that, that deep fear and trauma that is um, part of the DNA of so many Jewish people. Um, it is part of our communal story. Um, we also have to recognize that the founding of the state of Israel was a catastrophe for Palestinians. It's the Nakba. Um, This weekend was Nakba Day, which commemorates 73 years since um, the founding of the state when over 750,000 Palestinians were expelled or fled from their homes in the the process of the founding of the state. So I think it's essential for us to talk about the fact that um, the place that became a safe haven for many people also has continued to this day to be built on the oppression and dispossession of another people and i believe in the deepest like fiber of my being that like addressing that historic injustice is is essential for a future of safety and rights and well-being and justice for all people Um, the second thing i just wanted to say about uh about the the anti-semitism accusations is that uh, it's really unfortunate that defenders of the Israeli government have worked very hard for many decades now to equate any sort of criticism of their government policies with antisemitism. And you know, I've already said many times that as a Jewish person, I don't support these policies. But again, um, polling, polling will show you, and just the organizing of thousands of Jewish Americans tells us over and over again that like many, many American Jews. And Jews around the world do not support what the Israeli government is doing to Palestinians. And I personally think it's an insult to Jewish history to continue to uh, slander uh, people who are speaking up for Palestinian rights with that label. And I know it's very scary and there's a lot of money and a lot of efforts on the right working to intimidate people out of speaking up for human rights and justice.
1: So if i'm if I'm listening to this podcast and we we have all types of of listeners and someone may be listening to this and saying, "Wow, they're being very one-sided what would you tell those people to say like where would you tell those people to go to get an unbiased opinion of just understanding what exactly is going on so they can make their opinions on the situation
3: I mean that's a tough question for me to answer because um I think that we're speaking the truth, and it, it's not a truth that will make everybody comfortable. Um, I'm happy to give more resources, but I think um, sometimes people need to be uncomfortable. You know, we have been sending Israel billions of dollars in, in weapons every year. That's a fact. Right now, we are getting ready right now to send them 700 million dollars more. In weapons right now, while the bombing of Gaza is going on, um, there, there there comes a point where, yeah, there there are counter arguments, and there and and those arguments will say um, Hamas is is sending rockets, and they are, and that should be condemned. And in my opinion, anyone who targets civilians, that is a war crime. Um, but there is an overwhelming, there is an overwhelming truth that can no longer, I think, be obscured, which is that for decades, I mean, Van, you asked this a little bit earlier, and I just want to give some examples of what it actually means to live under occupation. There are roads that throughout Palestinian areas in the West Bank that they are not allowed to drive on. They are Jewish-only roads. You have to be Israeli to drive on them. Your land could be taken at any time. You cannot get permits to build a home, but if you build without a permit, it will be demolished. You might be a pregnant woman who will stand for hours and end up giving birth at a checkpoint. There are hundreds of checkpoints throughout the West Bank. You will never know, will I make it to my cousin's wedding? Will I stand here for four hours? It might be a village that's 20 minutes away and it will take you four or five hours to get there. If you live in Gaza, you live in an open-air prison. You cannot, you, nobody can, is free, people are not free to go in, they are not free to go out. The UN said that Gaza would be uninhabitable by 2020. It is 2021. And so there is, a, there is just a daily, there is a, the amount of suffering that Palestinians are going through on a daily basis, doesn't truly doesn't have sides. There is just a truth there. And one of the things that I sincerely, I, I work with Israelis on a daily basis. And many of them say to me, why are progressives in the United States not standing up for us? This is not the Israel we want. Why are you helping? Netanyahu is their Trump. And so what they say to me, and someone I'm sure here's the same thing, why aren't Americans standing up and helping us and empowering us to build an Israel that, that actually matches our values? And so I, I always feel wary about this idea of, I don't know, biased or two sides or, I mean, there is the truth and there, are, there, there, is, there, there is a real need, after I think many years of not hearing them, to hear Palestinian voices and not ask them to have to err. I mean, you don't ask white supremacists to come on to hear the other side of, you know, when a Black Lives Matter protest is going on and they're talking about what the experience is to be a Black person in America. And so that's where I really, you know, hesitate with this, that, yeah, there are many sides. There aren't two sides, There, there are many. Um, But there is a truth here, and the fact that we send billions of dollars each year to Israel means we are complicit in this status quo right now.
0: Um, For us to be responsible in a conversation, we have to consider something that is difficult to consider sometimes, which are people's people's emotions. Mm -hmm. And those emotions are based on things that they've heard, things that they've seen, and things that they've told will happen if, if other things don't happen, right? So, Uh, uh, with this issue we have to sort of view it from the lens of there are two sides fighting here what are they fighting for what what is the central thing that is stopping this from being resolved and for either one of you Mm -hmm. is there any argument from the Jewish Israeli side of this that you guys see understand and get in terms of what we I'm like I I some of the videos that I've been being sent I saw a video with a guy taking a woman's house woman looks at the guy and says hey you're taking my house he says if I don't take it somebody else will
4: yeah
0: what yeah. I'm looking for like what I'm looking for is someone to make sense of that video and I don't want to vilify anybody I really don't but what I want I want to understand how that's a thing and I think a lot of people do because it's 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 easy to be binary about this. And look, I, I get what side of this you guys are on, but there has to be another side, right? Like it, it, there, there, it, it, there has to be some sort of edict or some sort of reason why this is happening and people feel like that's okay. If I were to ask you guys to give me that reason, would you have any answers?
4: I mean, I've seen that same video that you're talking about, and I would say that that video and that response is the the product of a supremacist ideology so I mean and and again I can say, like would a supremacist, a supremacist ideology meaning that man standing there telling that Palestinian woman, I have the right to your home, I can take your home, and if I don't take it, somebody else will, is somebody who's been told that this entire land is his, given to him by God, and also uh, that he lives in a state that in its daily policies and the statements of its most powerful government ministers repeat over and over and over again, the idea that this land is only for Jewish people, that rights are only for Jewish people, and that, you know, uh, in and at the end of the day, that almost like entirely, it is it is Jewish people in that land who receive just all of the benefits um, of living in that state, which is taking more and more land and more and more privileges for one group of people. And And I guess I just wanna also speak to your question about this, like, you know, all sides, I think we hear a lot the idea that like we need to hear from many sides and it's really complicated and you know what I completely agree with that we should hear from as many sides as possible and it is really complicated but there is only one issue on which when we are told it's complicated we're told that to stop us from learning more I want to encourage everyone who's listening to this right now it is absolutely complicated and if you want to learn as you know everything Rebecca and I have have talked about so far there is there are books on books on books that you can read. There are so many organizations that we could send you to. So I just want to say that too often that idea is used to shut down conversation and to scare people out of, out of learning. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I really want to encourage people to, to take the opposite. And also to know that like sometimes we can see um, a military bombing apartment buildings and killing entire families and killing children and knowing in our hearts and in our guts, that's wrong, no matter what.
1: I, I, I want to talk about the, um, something that Rebecca, you said about the military aid that's coming from the U.S. to Israel. One of the things that we're seeing on social media and people talk about from the other side is that, well, Hamas sent rockets over, you know, to Israel and so Israel's defending itself. That's one of the narratives that's going around. But one thing I saw, and, and Trevor, Trevor Noah was talking about this on The Daily Show, is that Israel has one of the most powerful militaries in the world. And so it's disproportionate compared to what um, they have in Palestine, or Palestine, sorry. So, what can you speak a little bit towards that and and kind of talk about that narrative? Because that's one of the things that's going around on, on social.
3: Yeah, I want to. Um... I'm going to give you some numbers, Um, and sometimes I I hesitate to do this because I don't like to reduce human life to numbers, Um, but as of, you know, two hours ago, 10 Israelis have been killed in a week of violence, and 212 Palestinians, and a third of them are children, and so one of the problems um, with this violence specifically in Gaza, is Gaza is one of the densest, most populated, densely populated places in the world. And people cannot leave Gaza. Palestinians don't have the option of leaving Gaza. So what will happen is Israel will give them a warning. We're bombing your, your building in five minutes. I mean, literally. And I, I just, I, I would like anyone to imagine, I mean, what do you grab? Do you grab food? Do you grab your birth certificate? Do you grab, what, what do you do in the, I mean, other than grabbing your family and your kids, and where do you go? There there is no, there is nowhere to go. And, and just a few days ago, Israel bombed the built, the, the, the home of the Associated Press, and, which also housed the two biggest uh, internet servers in Gaza. And the answer is always, Well, we think there was Hamas there. I don't know if there was Hamas there. Israel didn't give any proof, but at some point as humans, it can't be okay just to say there may be a Hamas guy somewhere in the neighborhood. And so we can bomb a home and have 10 people from the same family die in an instant.
1: Or they'll say they're using it as a shield.
3: Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, there's literally nowhere for people to go. There is nowhere for people to go. And so what the Israelis are telling you right now, what they are saying right now is that they want to restore deterrence. They want to teach Hamas a lesson. But we see, I mean, if it's a lesson that has to be taught every 18 months or every year, it's not working. Like this is not, you cannot bomb people into submission and so we have to try something radically different and i mean i think i mean if you like can you imagine being a child in gaza who has never left and has only known they barely have water they barely have electricity i i just i don't i don't know what it's possible for us to expect of a population i mean This is not gonna be a popular opinion, but I honestly sometimes ask myself, I'm shocked that Palestinians are not more violent. It's not that I'm surprised that there are Palestinians who take up violence. I am often surprised that they are not more violent. And I say that because when Palestinians are nonviolent, we ignore them. The only time you hear about the occupation and Gaza, the Gaza has been blockaded for 15 years. And the only time we hear about it is when Hamas is sending rockets to Israel. As a global community, we are sending the message that says, when you're quiet, when you're peaceful, when you protest peacefully, we don't care, we will ignore you.
0: Are you and suggesting so, that Hamas is right to send rockets to Israel?
3: Of course not. What I'm saying is that if, if, if we want to, like, if, if, of course not, absolutely not. What I'm saying is that I used to co-chair an organization called Just Vision. We make documentary films about nonviolent leaders in Israel and Palestine. And the reason we make those films is because we often got the question, where is the Palestinian Gandhi? Where is the Palestinian Martin Luther King? And the answer is they are there. Those leaders are there, but nobody ever hears from them. And so the lesson that the world is sending is we will respond to violence, and when there's not violence, we don't want to hear about you. We don't want to hear about what your life is like, and we're not going to do anything about it. And I think that at that point, it, humans become desperate. I don't understand. Like, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a violent person in any way. Like, I have a hard time stepping on a bug. So, like, I'm not the person that can understand when someone takes up arms and becomes violent. But I, what I desperately want is for the rest of the world to acknowledge and stop this cycle because you don't stop the cycle with more violence. We're not going to bomb Gaza into submission.
1: Um I just want to say and this is probably my last question is there's probably things that we haven't asked you that maybe there's that you want to talk about so I just want to give you the floor to say that and then I also want to say we're seeing the social media activity pick up and people speak, you know, in support of Palestinians in a way that we that we've never seen before. So my the second part of that question would be, what do you continue to do in regards to the situation that's happening right now? Um, what what can people do? Whether it's reading about it. I don't know if there's there's donations, if there are websites that they can get resources on to kind of find out what's going on, find out how they can help support, because obviously it can't end at just a hashtag and reposting on social media. Whoever wants to take it. Sorry. Okay, I didn't direct I'll, it. I'll
3: start. Um yeah, thank you. Um so, so it's true that it can't end at social media, but that is a great place to start because I think um, it is important to kind of open up and make people feel more comfortable um, speaking out. The uh, Yesterday, the Lieutenant Governor of Wisconsin sent a tweet that said, um, normalize saying free Palestine. Um, and that meant a lot to me. And so I- I'll just share a few organizations, organizations that I think are doing great work and giving people great information. Um, the first one is, Simone's organization, B'Tselem. Um, there's also a great group called the Institute for Middle East Understanding. Um, those are places where you can get really informed information and, um, and also hear from Palestinian voices. And I think it's really important to lift them up. Um, and you know, I think that all we have ever asked for um, as activists is that for those who consider themselves progressives um, and who are guided by a set of values to just apply those values um, uniformly, um, and just apply those same values and the same things that you would say um, here about how people should be treated here, um, there, right? That that that's really, and I and I believe that's why you see groups like the Sunrise Movement and Black Lives Matter um, standing up and saying um, that they stand with Palestinians because for a very long time. Um, there was a phenomenon called progressive accept Palestine. And I think it's important that that's starting um, to shatter and that people are having those conversations. And so they're not always easy. This conversation wasn't always easy, Um, but it's important. And I really thank you guys for having us.
0: Uh, Oh, Samal?
4: Yeah, I just wanted to add a couple of things to what Rebecca said. Um, I'm really glad, first of all, that you made the comment about being progressive except for Palestine. I think the thing that I wanted to say to close up is like uh, any American who's been involved in the Black Lives Matter movement or in any like transformative social justice movement right now has the tools that they need to understand uh, what's going on in Israel and Palestine. And I um, just wanted to also add to that, that, you know, after the, the January 6th storming of the Capitol, we heard a lot of Different types of conversations about accountability and about consequences for those people that had, you know, stormed the Capitol, and about the idea that if there weren't consequences for the people who allowed that to happen, that it could happen again, right? And that the and that also we needed to attack those problems at their root. And I just want wanted to say again in this context, like we have seen for for many decades, politicians at best offer. Uh, you know, the ver- their version of thoughts and prayers, right? Like hope for peace on all sides, two-state solution. We actually need our politicians to demand consequences for the Israeli government's continued violation of Palestinian human rights. Um, second, again, and I'll say, I, again, as a Jewish person, please don't forgive the crimes of the Israeli government in my name. Um, the other thing I just wanted to point folks to a couple other organizations, definitely please look up B'Tselem and the IMEU. Um, You can also look up uh, Adala, which is a Palestinian, uh, an organization run by Palestinian citizens of Israel. uh, Breaking the Silence, former Israeli soldiers speaking about their experience in the occupied territories. Um, If not now, young American Jews speaking out. um, And also uh, Rabet by P-I-P-D, that's R-A-B-E-T, who are offering a lot of great resources. about things
0: happening on the ground. Yeah, before I let you ladies go, I wanna I wanna tell you something real quick. Um I worked I had a different job uh not many moons ago, but a couple of many a couple of moons ago. And there's a story we had done at this job about something Joan Rivers had said uh maybe four or five years ago um when there were uh, sort of more flare-ups in the region. And you know, God bless the dead, but what she said was just disgusting. Right? It was, um, it was, I just, I couldn't imagine it, right? And, you know, I was, uh, very charged up at that point. You know, I have been reading my Chomsky. <laughs> and, 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 you know, he has a very clear worldview on it, and he'll send you. You know, Noam says, Hey, the leading scholars. Then you go, Who are the leading scholars? And you read all those books, and before you're in a rabbit hole. So uh, I have my particular worldview on this, right? I have a, a way that I look at it. Um, and it is, I'm sure, as you guys would understand, and in lockstep with you. I remember trying to broach this with some of my coworkers, and it was an impossible conversation to have. It was impossible. I had never seen such rage. I had never seen uh, such vitriol and these were people that I piled around with all the time, and we had had a million conversations about <sighs> dozens and dozens and dozens of things that are uncomfortable to talk about. You talk about it, you yell it out and it's over. This though wasn't like that. it lingered. And it festered and it became a thing with some of them. And in conversations like this, you're always trying to view them from a human level to understand why those emotions exist. Are we to a point right now where on this issue, this is my last question for each one of you, where we have to say fuck people's feelings and let's get to the work I'm asking. Because the the reality is I do care about what people because when we're talking about Simone, when we're talking about people who have caught hell all over the place, of course, of course, our Jewish brothers and sisters have caught hell all over the place. And of course, they were there in civil rights with us to a degree. And so you don't want to be insensitive, but you also want to make progress. What's the right prescription? You guys don't have to be long winded on it, especially since I was so long winded in the question itself. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I mean, I I really appreciate that question. I I just wanted to say, uh, you know, I don't wanna minimize like the pain and the fear that Jewish people feel around this stuff. It's really, it goes really deep for a lot of us. Um, I know a lot of people, you know, again, we're going back to what are these ingrained narratives? There are a lot of Jewish people who feel like after all the hell we've been through, we gotta look out just for ourselves and not for anybody else. And that's, you know, and look, first, I think for me, I have a different uh, understanding from Jewish history and of my Jewish values, which is that my Jewish values compel me to value all human life as sacred. And my lesson from Jewish history is that if we're not all safe and protected and have rights in a society that that nobody is actually fully safe and free. And so it's both a like for me, it's a moral thing. And it's also a strategic thing i really deeply like in every fiber of my being do not believe that my loved ones and my family in israel and palestine will not be fully safe and free until everybody in that land has equality and human rights and full protection Um, and the last thing i will say to about your question about discomfort and feeling i hope um for any like jewish people who are listening to this who might feel really painful like this this stuff is painful and uncomfortable for them yes also we can say that it's important to distinguish between our discomfort and real material like human suffering and oppression right now and hearing painful truths that we've been shielded from for too long is not the same thing as being oppressed and i would really urge anyone who's having that kind of discomfort and trepidation um, to push themselves beyond it and for anybody who's not jewish who's listening to this um to to really understand to yeah to to make a really conscious conscientious effort to to not replicate any any form of anti-Semitism when you're criticizing the Israeli government and to make sure you know we didn't even get to this this is a whole other conversation but like you know we have seen a a terrifying resurgence of anti-Semitism in this country in the last couple of years and it is entirely fueled by the same you know racist ethno-nationalists uh, authoritarian type figures um, that support the, the occupation and the dispossession of Palestinians. So I wanna be clear here again, that what we're talking about is like building a future in which all people's dignity and humanity is uplifted and respected. Um, and I think I'll leave it with that.
3: It is difficult. And as an Arab American growing up in post 911 America, I mean I have had those difficult conversations um, on almost a daily basis in in my personal life in my work life and I mean and um, so I, I also don't want to minimize and and when I'm asking you to speak up, I'm also asking you to have difficult conversations that I can understand why a lot of people wouldn't want to have. Um, But we do have a lot of power in this. Like the United States still has a lot of power to. um, To in many ways. um, Really galvanize and, and inspire, like if you see some of the murals in Gaza and on the wall in the West Bank, they are of. George Floyd, you know, like that, like what what we say when we see, when we tell Palestinians that we see them, like for this mother in Gaza to say, my words are more powerful than their weapons. It's not just her words. It's ours too. And so it's painful. And look, I, I come from a family that many of them voted for Donald Trump. And that was <laughs> very hard for me. That was a, Those are like daily difficult conversations. There are thanksgivings that I miss. Um, but yeah. I think- <laughs> I feel like
0: I'm Really? Yeah. yeah. You you still okay yeah, with them now or did you podcast <laughs> as well? Yeah, we got we got to bring you back cuz I, I I feel for you yeah, right now. I just want well. to
3: That's
0: a, that's but, an extra hug for you. I,
3: I look, I just think w- when you are approaching this genuinely from a place that you want uh, I mean, I I am invited into synagogues often I am invited into um I will go to any space that will have me to have this conversation because I think often um, there is a lot of fear of the other. People need to hear that like in the end, what we want is just all of the people, Palestinians and Israelis to have equal political, social, legal, economic rights. And so I think that as difficult as the conversations are and it may take one, two, three conversations to get someone that you care about there. If you are approaching it genuinely from a place of humanity and love, like that's a conversation worth having. And if you, some people might get mad at you, I'm okay with that. (laughs) Like I'm okay. Like I've had the Israel-Palestine is not the only difficult conversation that I have to have on a daily basis. And I think that's probably true for everybody, all four of us, right? Like it's different in degrees, Um, But you, I mean, would you ever give up on talking about like your own life experience or the experience of the black community to people who need to hear it if they weren't receptive in the first instance or the second? Like, I just think this is the this is the work. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, I really appreciate both of you guys coming on. I know it's a tough time. I know there's work to be done. Um, And, you know. I remain as the same way I always am which is skeptically hopeful uh in the future you know so uh that's it uh from me Rachel you got anything before I let these no, ladies go No
1: I just want to say I I'm probably a little bit more optimistic than Van maybe like a couple of more degrees but I just think that it's it's, I have to go back to the social media response. I just think the fact that we're talking about it in ways that we never have, a whole generation is opened up to what's hap- the conflict that's happening. Um, I think that's promising. And so um, I just want to thank you guys for your time, for coming on here. Thank you. Breaking thank you. things down for us. And um, I know our listeners gained something regardless.
3: And one yeah. and I would like to invite both of you to Israel and Palestine when things calm down. I think that you'd love it. It's a beautiful Love place too. Absolutely. Uh, no, I'm yeah, coming. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going. Uh, can, Man, we're yeah. gonna send pictures, and you're gonna be jealous. It's yeah, a beautiful okay. place.
0: I might zoom in until things calm down a little <laughs> bit. But she
3: said when uh, they calm down, and the time
0: is <laughs> right. <laughs> right. All right, ladies. Thank you so much for joining us yes. and having you on. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on Higher Learning. Thank Appreciate you. you guys. Thank,
3: thank you, thank you, you care. so much.
0: So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the hotels.com app today.